0: Hello, hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> he's ba- he's <laughs> back. Mm. Good afternoon, Dad. <laughs> Good afternoon, Dad.
1: How was your morning? <laughs> Very well, thank you. How, how's everything up there? Mm. Rather, <laughs> my morning was quite
0: delicious. <laughs> One enjoys one's constitutional. Yeah. Amidst one's environs, in the embrace of one's immediate preoccupations, erstwhile <laughs> memories accumulate from one's transient matriculations and amuse one at length. One's mornings adapt to one's accommodations, one's obligations, real or often as not imagined. God. <laughs>
1: This is this is great. I one enjoys recounting like
0: one's constitutional book bag Brexit biennial bulbous bibulous bottom bumping. One enjoys one's bibulous bottom bumping. <laughs> wow. Mm, one remains. <laughs> one abides. You've got the Chinese guy over here. We've got no soup. We've got the Jew over here. Not me, not me. One enjoys one's casually racist jokes. One's constitutional. What's his name? We gotta figure out who that is. I don't know. It's stolen (laughs) somewhat. Very good. Thank you very much. It's stolen somewhat from uh, a character Peter Serafinowicz does. Have you ever seen Brian Butterworth?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is he the one? With the uh from the Sensible,
0: uh, sensible breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all the <laughs> that his
1: name? crazy food. I know who you mean. <laughs> With the food there's like and I have more, food, more food and more food and more and it's like
0: <laughs> The Butterfield diet. Yeah, Here the Butterfield
1: is. diet, that's it. <laughs> this was me.
0: <laughs> I love Peter Sarafinowitz too much. You're not a, you're not a Parks
1: and Rec guy, right? No, no, I'm saving it. I've been saving, saving it until I prison. run out of other things.
0: Yeah, he um he's on in the penultimate season, <laughs> and he Peter Serafinowicz, uh, who you know from lots of things. You know him from Guardians of the Galaxy. You know him as the voice of Darth Maul, very funny British comic, and he is the you won't appreciate this, but he's the British version of uh, of, of oh, Star Lord, okay. Star Lord from Parks and Rec. And I think it's because he probably met Star Lord doing. Um, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. He comes on in a guest role as this like uh, sweetly idiotic uh, royalty.
1: Day anyway. six is is treat day. You can eat literally anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brian Butterworth. Anyway, credit bon 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 bon, bon 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 bon. <laughs> <laughs> I love the list of foods. Oh my god! I put it in show notes. The Butterfield Diet, as per- performed by the wonderful Peter Sarah Hmm. Dan, if uh, in as much as you're able, capable, or willing, where would people find uh show notes for episode two seven eight of your back to work program?
1: Five by five dot TV slash b two w slash two seven eight. Well you have do, a new do, you have a new Skype avatar now.
0: Oh yeah, I keep changing it. I gotta stop doing that. Does Beast still look like Cat? <sighs> I, uh, I don't know. I can't keep
1: up. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've uh, yeah I've fallen away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reading books sometimes now. What? Also, you know, breaking news. Uh, just to, to just so people know, Cormac McCarthy is not actually dead.
1: Did the NFL know? guy, the CEO of of the NFL. That's right. That's right. Uh, Brian Blessed.
0: <laughs> uh, no, the news went out today. Turns out it's a a rumor that was started by an Italian fella that uh, the great author uh, Cormac McCarthy the man who wrote uh, The Road and Blood Meridian and many other great things that he had died turns out he's not actually dead Hmm. in fact uh, his publisher, I believe his publisher Penguin uh, posted this tweet, uh, Cormac McCarthy is alive and well and still doesn't care about Twitter (laughs) But you know uh, Cormac McCarthy boy, woo yeah yeah. yeah. I mean so uh, anyway, I was going back and uh, I think Cormac McCarthy is a little bit like Shakespeare in the sense that uh, I think it benefits to hear his writing. You know what I mean?
1: You know when like read when read doing, aloud, you're saying
0: yeah yeah yeah. Like with Shakespeare, you know you're. Shakespeare's one of those things that like gets ruined by the way that it's taught. Where they, you know, you're 14, so now they got to jam it down your throat. You got to go read Romeo and Juliet, and you're supposed to feel feelings about it, and no one ever does, and you just snicker and Mercutio. But um, I think hearing it in the air, hearing it in a play, like watching Henry V, like the I can't. That's that's the gateway drug. Start out with that Kenneth Branagh movie, Henry V. That's it's such a good movie. But uh, ditto for Cormac McCarthy. So I, I put a, uh, a link in notes to the Audible version of blood meridian and uh his writing is so i don't know how you describe it it's it's difficult because he goes a little crazy with the vocabulary he uses a lot of words that no one has ever heard they are actually english words his sentence structures are very very strange and he doesn't use commas he's very unconventional in the way that he writes things but the language is just there's there's nothing nothing quite like it so uh, congratulations to Cormac McCarthy. I'm, I'm glad you're still alive and don't care about Twitter. And uh, and you are a treasure. You ever read The Road? No, It's rough. What is it? It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's like a post-apocalypse. It's kind of like, uh, what is it, like that video game Gone Home, but as a book.
1: You know? I... I it's, always it's, 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 confuse that one. Now that you're talking about this, this is the father and son one. Mm-hmm. What's the people. one that, that uh, I think I read the one, a boy all and his pretty, dog. Oh, right, right. By right, Ellison.
0: Right. Yeah. Also all the pretty horses. He wrote that. Oh, okay. He wrote lots of things. And his, his, uh, he's uh, a very interesting guy. And he's, he's, uh, he's not dead. One nice. enjoys the news that Cormac McCarthy is not <laughs> dead. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Should we button it up?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I got for this.
0: <laughs> I think we've earned our keep today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, sometimes it doesn't,
1: you know, it's about quality, not quantity mm, of minutes.
0: Mm, sometimes you feel like a nut. <laughs> sometimes you don't. <laughs> um,
1: we have more questions about Bok Bok? A lot of people are curious. They want to do it. They just want to be part of it. They want to be oh, no. connected yeah. to what we're doing.
0: I'll, um... I'll uh, I'll just spoil it by saying that um, when I was a child, I assume when Dan was a child, there was an ad that would run at Easter time every yes. year. Yes. And it was a really really cute ad for uh, what was it Cadbury eggs? Cadbury, eggs? Cadbury cream eggs. Cadbury cream eggs. Cadbury cream eggs. Cadbury cream eggs. You don't want the kind that don't have cream. Don't hold the cream. <laughs> Title. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just this really cute, it was a really very effective 70s ad that uh, you saw, one saw, one sees one's advertisements, (laughs) over and over, and it's just a bunch of little kids with Easter baskets going, thanks, Easter Bunny, thanks, Easter Bunny, and then, if memory serves, it ends with one kid in a a particularly funny way going,
1: thanks, Easter Bunny. Well, he's dressed, if I remember right, he's been dressed kind of, and in my mind, this, I think... Later I connected this, whether I, and now I don't know which one came first, the cartoon, <laughs> the I mean or the, the commercial, commercial or, the, or the, the, but in the Christmas story when Ralphie's dressed as the, uh, yeah. in the, in the bunny suit, I drew a connection to this in my mind at some point, but the child has been dressed yeah. as a little chick. Yeah. It's one of those things like quicksand
0: and gorilla suits that was everywhere in the seventies and no one knows why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, I, I
0: don't remember exactly how it goes. Oh, I, but I very distinctly remember at the end he goes, "Thanks, Easter Bunny," and then he goes, "Buck, buck, buck,
1: buck," and makes like a like a chicken. He's milk. like, and he's moving. I believe he's kind of flapping his little wings in the costume. Oh, oh so cute! Yeah. Uh,
0: and so, at some point, when Dan would or I would finish an ad read. This is the literary substrat of back to work. When they would finish an ad read, we'd say, thanks sponsor for, you know, supporting uh, 5 5 and right. back to work. And then at some point I started saying, "bok bok," And then uh, that's why we say that now.
1: Yeah.
0: It's stupid. It's a bit. It's I like bit. it. I don't care. I like it. I love looking at old commercials on the YouTube. And uh, it's funny because sometimes like you feel like there's, there's something that's just uh, like so much. It's practically in my DNA. Like there are, you know, I'm the sole survivor. There's certain <laughs> things you just hear. Ancient <laughs> yeah. Chinese secret, right. huh? You know that that one was just on constant salon
1: perm, Ogilvy home perm.
0: <laughs> Wait just, here,
1: diagonally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you exactly, sank
1: my battleship. You sank my battleship. I can't get it operate. out of my head.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> operate. When the mom comes down, <laughs> <Yeah>. operate. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I turn to operate. Those are uh, great. They get in your head. Yep. And that's the idea. And then the one, I brought this up on the, on the program I do with uh, John Roderick where like, uh, I think that was it. I was remembering Lowenbrow. Lowenbrow. Hmm. You Ready? Yeah. <clears throat> People like the ones where I sing. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. Tonight, tonight, let it be low and brown. Remember that? Mm, surely do. Remember surely big, red. big Red? Big Red. Here big comes red. the king. Here comes the big number one. Boom, 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 boom. Budweiser beard. the sucking tin And there were so many
1: commercials that they would use a song like. I'm uh, a lot of Beach Boys songs kind of made it into commercials, and well, that was a, okay. Sir,
0: um, when. Good Vibrations was used in a commercial for, I want to say, Tropicana, Kissed for some kind of orange juice, circa 1984, 85. That was a huge deal. I think that was one of the first times that an actual real song you knew was used yeah, in an app. I think app. it was Sunkissed. And then there were some songs that started as commercials. Uh, We've Only Just Begun by The Carpenters, written by, I believe, Mr. Paul Williams, uh, started out as a commercial for a bank. <laughs> and, and then they made it into. Uh, it was written for a. I think that's correct. It was written for a bank, and then that became like the first big hit. Really, it's still such a great song. The Carpenters, oh, so good. Yeah, we've only just begun sharing horizons that are new to us.
1: Ah, oh, so good.
0: If you're feeling sad, put on uh, "Rainy Days and Mondays." It's the best song ever. Yeah,
1: Bring I just don't know. I just don't think that they that commercials that come out now. Mm-mm. Are in any way even close?
0: Gotta have like a shirtless guy in a fart. You know, not a lot of shirtless guys. Terrible. Come on, give me a break. A general, but worst. general troubles me. Whenever I go someplace that has like cable TV on during the middle of the day, I see that that little general, the insurance guy. I don't like that guy. Little general.
1: Not not is that, that a little... nickname for your
0: <clears> uh, for a Faraday cage? Yeah. No. Uh-huh. No. No. Um. No, little, little General is a uh, was a chain of uh, convenience stores. The General is that horrible little homunculus of a man, that terrible CGI military man who's in the uh, insurance ads. Never seen the General?
1: I feel like I should have. I don't. Oh dear! I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I've never know, seen that. I've never seen sure. that before. I'm looking at a He's got a big white Wilford oh, yeah. Brimley mustache. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Wilford Brimley, I just watched uh yesterday mm-hmm. again the China syndrome. Hmm. Think... And I'll tell you what, everything that I like about Jack Lemon uh from the movie is he's got in this as well. Wait, 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 wait back a minute? Tell me that again. China syndrome, Jack Lemmon. huh.
0: Yeah. Oh, from uh the Glengarry Glenn Ross? Yeah. Oh, he's so good.
1: But he's great in this too. Have you seen that yeah. movie, China Syndrome? I don't think I ever have. I mean, I remember it being a big deal. I I, I think you'd enjoy it. I don't know it even even just as a window into 1979. It's well, it came great. out
0: around the time of 3 Mile Island independently of the 3 Mile Island incident. So in my head I always think of 3 Mile Island.
1: Me too. It came out 12 days before 3 Mile Island happened. And I no was in, living in Philadelphia as a kid during the 3 Mile Island thing and my parents were like losing their minds because You know, if, if it hadn't if it hadn't been okay, like Pennsylvania might have been uninhabitable, kind of thing. And it was, it was like a big deal as a kid. I just I vividly remembered that, and I I always made that association with the movie. And I was kind of like, I was kind of scared to watch it as a kid. You know, like when things would make their rounds to HBO because I I was like, I thought it was like I couldn't as a child I couldn't really separate the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Syracuse and I talk about that on this week's reconcilable differences. Something I talk about with Roderick a lot. It's just being a child of the not a child of the 80s, being a teen of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And just the the horrible horrible fear of nuclear annihilation that was yeah. always like just just right there. Yeah. And we could be dead by lunch. That's a cheery topic. Yeah. <clears throat> I changed my icon. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, in the uh in the robot? Yeah. Um, we could change it uh every call from <laughs> <forever>. now Good, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a good a good shot of him too Yeah, you know, we can do custom show art now bon 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 bons. so i might put him into the episode cover art now that i can do that
0: oh how's your how's your thing going how's your archers of you your fire sign fire it's, sign theater how's it's that going very
1: good it's very very good. good i'm starting to send out the people people who have signed up and we got a whole bunch of new people signing up after the last episode uh our um are going to be getting their, their emails and things are opening up. So it's terrifying and it's exciting. Excellent.
0: You're still going to send me stuff for that. I'll send you everything. Give you yourself stuff to do for that. Everything. <clears throat> um, so it's good news that, uh, Carmack McCarthy. What about Carson McCullers?
1: I don't know who that, who is that? I think that's a writer. Is this a test? Could be.
0: Pop quiz, hot shot, man, we can almost watch speed, but not quite. I think that's R rated. Speed the bus movie? Yeah. I really want to show that to my kid. I love that movie. Is it, it a speed. kid
1: focused movie? Can't <laughs> not really, remember. not
0: really. We were watching uh she's sick right now. So we were having a extra TV time. We watched uh, some of the first Independence Day last night. It's such a 90s movie.
1: Is it oh really? I mean, I remember the Will Smith punching the alien in the face. And, and but the a- first
0: 15 minutes is just this nonstop succession of like every actor from the 90s. Oh, yeah? Like introduced, introduced, introduced. And you got John who's being this guy. He's playing chess and he's got a cigar. Mm. And of course, he's got uh, Jeff Goldblum, the greatest actor of our of our generation. Oh, yeah. is it? And... um. Uh, you know, it's it's fun. It's I was saying to my wife, like, uh, this is exactly what you want out of like a nineties popcorn movie. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Right now she's watching the music man. <clears throat> really? Likes, uh, yeah. He's a what? He's a what? He's a music man. You gotta know the territory. Uh she's sick. She threw up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so we haven't gotten it yet, oh. not on everything, but you know, it's no fun when your kids sick. And mean, she's got a she's got a Sore throat, and that's no fun. A sore throat and throwing up, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I see. I think she might be making this up. No, she's not making it up. She was super lethargic, and you know when she doesn't want to play games on the iPad, you know she's sick. Oh yeah. And um, so we had a great day at the beach on Sunday. Had a Ooh. wonderful day, but she was really tired, and she fell asleep on a cooler in the back seat. Like, <laughs> she was out. Oh man. She came home. She slept again for like three hours. Then just got up and went. Bah! out came all the uh, sushi. Ooh, so, yeah, but that's okay. It's, but she didn't cry. I always cry when I would throw up as a kid. I think no, it, it, I'm great right at it now. I'm am an excellent vomiter. I'm like am like a world class vomiter. Really? Oh, I'm so. I don't do it much. I don't vomit more than once every couple of years. But when I do, boy, I am so good at it. Barely touches the sides of my mouth. I just go. Oh uh, man, it's like a, it's like a giant. As uh, they say, a technicolor yawn. Yeah, my wife's terrible at it. It's, ter- it's a terrible thing that she had to have morning sickness because she was terrible at it. She goes like this. Oh, no. Green yeah, water ghost. So that's good. Cormac McCarthy's not dead. <clears throat> I have, uh, I, I don't really, have, I had an idea for a topic. Yeah. Are there other things that we wanted to talk about? The, t- Dan, the volume of the emails. Too many? Too much? Uh, not enough? It just keeps going on. No, not not
1: from people. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's. I don't know what has been going on, but I am I am on literally every single sucker list. Sucker list now. Every everything I've got every. I, I kind email. of
0: want I, I, I every. I don't email. want to encourage attention. I don't want to stress and affect myself on this, but it does bug me. I talked I talked about it on uh, Roderick on the line this week, um, and it's like it's just. The, the way I put it to John, this kind of gets into the topic for today. but you know, a, a thing that I'm trying right now, this is not interesting, this is not new, this is not unique, but i'm I'm trying to have some things that I do in my life after I wake up to the extent possible without actually looking at any notifications for at least a few minutes. okay? And I'm finding it very, very difficult to do, not least because I'm dreading and this sounds so silly, but you know, I'm real, I'm just always dreading. Uh, I'm kind of. The, I start my day with BS. I've got to go in and like just go delete all this junk from fake friends, which is just. It sounds dumb. It's little tiny things. I mean, it's like basically like you know having a, a stone in your shoe. It's not the end of the world, but it's like. Uh, I just know that's coming every day, and it's very dispiriting to me. Yeah. Um. And but you know, like I say, I don't want to try and affect myself. But there's a part of me that wants to reach out to white hat friends of ours in the public relations community to say, what the F is going on? Where where are people getting this fairly precise information that there is a show called Back to Work hosted by these two people that is on these topics? Here's the contact email. Right. And here's the things you're nominally supposed to say to them to make them want to be a guest. Without, of course, being a good enough list that they would know that we're never going to have them on as a guest. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to find out where that's coming from because um, I suspect it's a list.
1: It has you know, to be a list. It has to be something that was uh, that was sold, you know, created and sold.
0: Or yeah, or something. But I mean like G- Gina, uh, Trapani, who's written so many wonderful things over the years. She shared her Gmail filter back when she was at Lifehacker. Who I'm, sh- I'm sure she had it a million times worse than we do. Oh, yeah. I mean, can't even imagine, but she shared her, uh, filter for all of the companies, like all the domains to, to block, um, With the Gmail filter, which I still use to this day, I haven't updated it in probably five years, but you know, it's, you know, I don't know. I guess I feel like this is, this is a dumb thing to bitch about, but it becomes the, all of these dumb annoyances in life become small quality of life issues that start to add up. When you start noticing things happen enough that are a little bit annoying, they really accumulate and it starts to feel like even if it's less than 1% of your day, you're Mm -hmm. dealing with it, you notice it. Uh This morning on Twitter, a bunch of my friends, uh, who was it, was talking about this. Oh yeah, Joe Steele was talking about how he started getting more, uh, you know, spam calls on his phone. And I jumped in to say, yeah, you know, I'm getting more spam calls. And as I think, as I think I've mentioned to you, not only that, I'm getting more spam calls from my area code and from my exchange. So they look like a local call. As in like, your daughter fell down a well call. Yep. And so I sit there and I look at the phone and I go, oh, you're going to but. Don't answer the, you. no one ever calls you. Right. Like I've got, I, every time I get a call from a real robot, I add it to a list as a contact. So if I get a call from the kids from the school district, I know that that that, that is that robot. If I get a call from PG&E about, you know, a um, spare the air day, like I, I know that that's coming from PG&E. But then I just get this unknown caller from 415. And I'm just like, oh. I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know as as dumb as that stuff seems and i realize this is a, a white wine in a lot of ways it's still don't you feel like that kind of contributes to like a slightly less cheery quality of life definitely
1: i wake you up know? every morning and whenever it is that i go and look at my email i try to put that off you know till i've been up and seen my kids and stuff like that it's hard
0: though do, do you, can you can you really do that you will like no. the first time you pick up your I, phone I you I don't try. like
1: look at the lock screen i try i try i try not to but yeah i do
0: well, cause I see one thing I go like, okay, there's delivery coming. And then I scroll down a little, Oh, there's a deposit clearing. That's cool. I go down for, you know, and then pretty soon I'm like, I'm going down like digga, 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 digga down all the notifications. And now I'm already in, you know, I, I mean the other dumb stuff like, and this is already like an 80 standup bit, but you know, I've, I've talked about like how frustrating our mail is. We just don't get mail. Our neighbors get our mail. We frequently have things where everybody is one house off and getting mail so we all go out and exchange our mail at the end of the day the other thing we get is we get a lot of like flyers from grocery stores do you get that you get like a multi-page color flyer from your grocery store
1: yeah like like this
0: weekend's deals that
1: kind of crap yeah
0: but I mean you get this you get this pile of colored paper and in our case uh I don't need to go into the details but basically it arrives and you know 90 85 to 90 percent of the time it's just a pile of paper but every single time I pick it up and I have to flip through it. I think this happens on purpose, maybe. And there's mail inside the 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 letter carrier for convenience, I guess, used it as a folder. So like I have to go through the garbage to find the other garbage. To so like go find the like the, the the pleas for uh you know alumni contributions or to find the like yet another offer from AT&T for home cable, which we get once a month. Like, you know. It's just, it's so frustrating to me that first of all, I'm on edge going like, oh God, I hope our mail is like going to arrive, you know? Yeah. And now you you and I have gone back how many times has like, like, I check, not just not arrived. Like that's not the kind of thing you fib about. <laughs> but then, so now I got way in the mail comes and I got to go like sort through garbage to find garbage. And like, I don't know. I just feel like part of that is also, this is a post TiVo, I'm part of a post TiVo generation where because so many things have been happily automated, happily filtered, the things that are not filterable start to stick out even more yeah. and seem more kind of egregious. Right. And and given that, you know, the filters get so good that like, I don't get that much classic spam anymore. I mean, at all. Like I, I don't get classic like Viagra and mortgage spam. Gmail right. has taken care of that because they are in a position to filter at such a high level, they can go, okay, like, you know, 40,000 people just got roughly the same email with the same misspelling in the subject line. There's a pretty good chance that's bad. But, you know, in the case of the phone, like, I, I got to answer the phone. Uh, if it's, you know, who knows? Who knows what that's about, right? So, I don't know. Quality of life. It's a white wine though, huh? A little bit?
1: Yeah, a little, well, the thing that, that shocks me is how, I guess these things have gotten, in a way, they've kind of get, gotten smarter. But the spam filters are still way behind on these. And every single email that I get, like here's one right here. This one came in to, it's from someone to herself at her own address at Comcast. I'm BCC'd on it. The subject is Women Entrepreneurs Share Secrets, new book. Yeah. For immediate release, press contract as the woman's name. And then in I'm I'm just gonna do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different fonts. Just at first, blush. Why and how the most successful women entrepreneurs go against the flow. New book offers an insider's view. This came in just during the show right now. View into how the most high achieving women entrepreneurs take risks, flout convention, and flow their passion and then flow their passion flow their passion oh jiminy so i mean and it talks about the author talks about all this stuff there's no way for me to unsubscribe there's no way for me to respond to this person so what i do and maybe this is bad tell me audience and merlin if this is bad but i'll reply i'll type unsubscribe and i'll i'll send that and then i forward it to there's an email address that I think I think probably does no good, but it's the only thing yeah, I've right, ever, right. it's spam at uce.gov. And I just forward the Unsolicited
0: email to commercial email.
1: Right. Yeah. And I forward it to the and then I hit delete. And I, I don't know if that's maybe I'm flagging myself as a real person and I'll only get more email. I don't know. Maybe it seems to have helped. Maybe it's my imagination, but well, so it's difficult to know. I yeah, mean it's a black box. Yeah.
0: But, you know, you're, you're, what you're describing here, like, like so in the time that we've been recording, I now just got a second email from an old acquaintance of mine letting me know about his book. Uh, I didn't ask to be told about this, but he's got a MailChimp list for that. Now, in that case, I can just unsubscribe from that. Do I want to unsubscribe from that, though? Because now I feel like kind of a jerk. I just got the same email twice from him. And I feel I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Because if, if I unsubscribe from that to my friend's email list that he put me on that I didn't ask to be on, well, I know for sure when I've done MailChimp stuff in the past, they're, they used to be pretty dogged about saying, look, you do, don't put anybody on this list who did not ask to be there. And yet I get so much stuff from like acquaintance of an acquaintance mm. stuff where, and this is one reason I'm always kind of yelling at the school like, hey, stop putting everybody on the two line. Stop putting everybody on the CC line. Like, that's just, that's, that's like 30 emails that somebody could just go suck up into something. And I know, I know it's I dumb. Think, I know no, it's I think box. that
1: happens a lot. I see that all the time with the people at, at like school, like all of the people in, involved in these, planning these parties and the school activities and the events. I see it all the time. I see it all the time with, you know, like I got an email from my, was it my, like car insurance company. Like we go with like a all state, whatever. And then, and then like the local rep and like, it's blasted out to 50 different people all to say, we're having an open house. Come visit. Okay. Oh, well, that's neat. But like my email along with like 50, a hundred other people, that's You know, that's getting slurped into something.
0: Well, so, and this is getting to the, the the point that's difficult. So, you know, it's one thing to get like classic spam, which is a business. That involve just blasting a whole bunch of stuff. Oh gosh, I just heard a great piece on—I want to say Radio Lab—about spam and the two biggest spammers in the world, like going to war with each other and basically taking each other down by you know breaching their databases. <laughs> uh, it was really interesting. Um, but so, like, uh, worst case, you get awful, gross spam that was that doesn't even matter if it's targeted for you, right? Th- then you can get stuff like you know the problem is when we're getting stuff like junk from people who pretend they're our friend. And like, I hate look, that. See,
1: that sounds unkind. How, but the, the, the hey, Merlin, part how are you doing? Let me well, tell you I, about this book that this person you've never met or heard of before is working on.
0: Right. So now it's on us and and, and we feel like the jerks because, like, I don't know who you are. Right. I don't, and then, like, like, a guy the other day was like, hey, you know, I think Merlin and I met one time at this thing. Like, please promote this thing. And it's like, here's the thing. Like, I try, I try mightily catch myself when I'm getting frustrated or angry about something like that and like try to get some distance from it and go, is this really a big deal? Well, it's not actually that big a deal. If I do catch myself, then I also try to say like, did this person mean to do something crappy here? And I I honestly think while we may have differences in taste and values and what we think technology can or should be used for, Mm -hmm. I don't think they think they're doing anything bad or wrong you're, you you're most probably people, right you're probably well, right but- say, this is my job my this is my job is to contact bloggers and podcasters and promote this product that's what I do don't take bread out of my mouth this is my job yeah. and those could be very good people you know uh, with families who tie at their church and uh, they're, they're probably you know decent human beings uh-huh. but like but that's still that impinges on my little area and I don't want to be a jerk in that situation but you know this gets back to some basic email. Mm-hmm. Or communications hygiene, which is like before you send anything to somebody, you know, like my old line, like every email is a pebble. You don't know how many pebbles that person is carrying today. Mm-hmm. And adding just one more pebble, like that seems like nothing to you because that's something you care about. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's something I could do, something we could all do better is to realize when what we're doing could be misconstrued
1: or could unintentionally, be unintentionally, completely unintentionally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, just remember like, You know, if it's a friend of yours, you know, contact them. You Send a little short thing and say, can you do this favor for me? I think that's a straight up legit thing to do. And when people do that, like a straight up legit favor, sometimes it could be something as brash as saying, hey, I have a Kickstarter, can you retweet this? Mm -hmm. If it's somebody I know, I might do that. But I guess I would say it's probably good for all of us to try to be respectful of other people's boundaries on these things. Because you have the canon in that case. Whoever you are, you have the ability to... To leverage your information about that person and of that person to send a message like directly into their electronic brainstem, right. and I would say use that. You know, be circumspect about that. If this doesn't have to be a DM, put it in a text. If it doesn't have to be a text, put it in an email. If it doesn't need to really even be an email, like don't do it, or you know, find another way to do it. But anyway, I don't know. I just I worry about. Um, it's frustrating when I feel like I have to sort through a lot of known garbage to find one potentially lost diamond. That feels like such a terrible use of time and attention and I, maybe I'm broken inside, but that has consequences beyond the time that I'm actually spending on that. Like I, right. I, I, I ruminate on it and, and it and it bugs me.
1: There is so much of it though now, and it's it's not like it's just a pure disrespect for time because I think that's always been that way, but it's become so easy to to take, if you think about how much time we spend just deleting email, how much time we spend going through email that has now is making it through, because I guess there's somebody who wants this email. I guess there is... Because otherwise it just wouldn't work. Right. I mean, there's somebody there. There's an episode of Futurama. My son was watching it this morning where uh, they're all reading, going and reading their emails and dealing with spam in different ways. And um, I think Amy is uh, the the computer says to her, you know, she's like, oh, I want I think I want that. And it says. Insert credit cards. Is it okay if I just have cash and the computer literally sucks the dollar bills out of her hand and sort of chomps them away? It's like these people just want money. And of course, this person wants me to reply and say, I would love to interview this person about her new book or whatever. But I it must work, right? Like there's someone in the same way that you say this is the person they wake up and they, my job is to get, you know, to send out information to podcasters about this. In the same way, there has to be a podcaster there who reads that and says, well, that sounds like a great guest for my show next week.
0: Yes. And I, I think, I mean, so, so start with the, let's start with the negative part of this. The negative part is that for a long time uh, from, I would say, the mid to late 90s until fairly recently, you know, spam, I think the conventional wisdom has been that, Spam or unsolicited email in general, it works because it does not need a high rate of return, Mm -hmm. and and in that case, essentially,
1: it costs almost nothing to do. It takes incredibly low effort and time, Mm -hmm.
0: and people and people still do it. It's funny because in that piece that I'm not, you know, it might have been Planet Money, but it was some show that I listened to, and they were talking about how it was basically the two biggest pharmacies or promoters of like online drug stuff, primarily Viagra. And there were a couple of things that were really interesting about like it. Is, First all, are we
1: at the point with Viagra where people who want it can't get it or can't figure out how to get well, it? This is cheaper? the funny
0: part is that the actually they went and they bought some and it was legit. It's it's a, the, the, the business itself is legit in as much as they are selling Viagra that is Viagra. The, the kind of skeezy part is the whole like, you know however however they emulate a prescription or get around you know the regulations on that and they, obviously that's that's iffy but the the funny part is i always assumed that when you got those kinds of viagra things that if you ever responded to them well first of all then you'd get a ton of spam but second of all that they would basically just drain your bank account or something yeah but they were actually they were actually places that were trying to competitively sell viagra and it's just right. that that was there are the people who send the spam are not the people who have the pharmacy. I'm not saying this is true for everything. I would not trust every spam you get. But no, no. All I'm trying to say is that that was the conventional wisdom for a long time was that it was um, not zero cost to send, but so low to spend that you could send, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of emails and the costs on that are so low that they don't need that many people to respond. So, you know, if 15 people respond to this thing, they went to thousands of people and more than pays for the cost of the campaign such right. as it is. Right, right so okay so that's 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 kind of the negative mean side of it but there's a pattern there that gets repeated um candidly amongst a lot of pr people which is like if i've got your name and i contact you like like this is good for me and this is good for you so like it's to me maybe it's one thing if you work at a magazine that needs press releases but right you know we never asked to be on there and if I respond to that in the way I feel like responding, I'm going to come off pretty harsh, which is going to be some, some kind of, you know, pearl clutching combination of like outrage and anger and and just lashing out, which is not effective. That's the thing. There's just nothing we can do about this. This is, this is the, why it's a running joke on here is that there's nothing we can do about nothing it. Nothing at all. It's all out there. And now, but we have to sit there and sit through this little timeshare pitch from somebody we've never met who's pretending to be our friend. And, We all need friends in this world, but we don't need people who pretend to be our friend. Yeah. Nobody is pretending to be your friend unless they want something out of you, even if it's just your attention. And that there's a non-zero cost associated with that, especially at scale. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the point of this is. It's uh it's I don't know. I mean I mean on the one hand, I have to say again, I, I think part of it is the triumph of filters. Like we've gotten so much that we can do with filtering now. It's made things so much better, but I don't know. I don't know. Bugs me.
1: Well, I think it, it should bug everybody. And it has not, like I was saying before, you were saying this, it's, it's gotten smarter in the way that the kinds of emails that we're getting, that, like you said, they know, they know we have a show. They know that we're the ones that do the show. You know, I, I mean, I suppose I could change our, you know, contact address, uh, and, and let the other one go away and make a new one. But like, how often should we do that every month, every couple of weeks? Yeah. It seems, well, it seems like, no, 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 a that's, dumb that's, way that's, to do it.
0: that's like, there used to be the days that you could go out there and like, I have a throwaway, uh, domain that mm-hmm. I used to use just for like nonce emails where I could just make up a one time email.
1: Oh, nice. And,
0: well, yeah, I mean, that's why I have UndisclosedLocation.com. So, uh, th- so oh, anyway, smart. but but that, that's not, that's not the, you know, the real solution. Uh, let me toss this out. This is more personal, yeah. but I'm going to throw this out because it's something I need to think about. And I can promise you it's something a lot of you guys need to think about. Um, so, for example, like on Twitter, uh, where, you know, think about how, how weird Twitter is. Where you have a handful of people that you know in real life Um, that you talk to in a familiar way, but you've also got your persona. You have your persona for how you roll on Twitter and like your friends get that. And like I talk to, what am I looking at right now? I talk to Jason Snell, Tony Sindelar, Ed Casey, Joe Rosenstiel. These are all people that I talk to in a certain way that I wouldn't talk to other people because, you know, I feel like we understand each other's mojo. Well, I think one thing to think about is to bear in mind that you may be really familiar with somebody and in some cases they may be really familiar with you. Maybe you like follow each other, Uh but I guess I think it's important to keep in mind how you choose to contact somebody for the first time in your life. And I think people don't think about this. I know I don't think about it sometimes, but remember if if you think about this, I'm just going to be straight up. There are people who like seem to like enjoy stuff that I do that follow me for a long time or they, they whatever, like they're out there. Not again.
1: Hold on. Do you hear that? Sounds like an alarm. It is an alarm. Well, it's okay. It's not that bad. Well, we got to evacuate again. Oh, you got to evacuate. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Hello. I
0: am back. Mm. We returned from one's constitutional.
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, digga digga digga, we're back. What happened, Dan? Uh, for the same thing that happened a week or two ago, uh, the fire alarms. Not on this show. Uh, it wasn't. The last time it wasn't during a show, but the fire alarms went off in the building and they make us mm. all evacuate and we go outside the building. We stand outside the building until the fire trucks leave or we get the all clear or whatever. And today, the. They managed to silence the main alarm, and there they were. The fire guy said, Well, there's no fire, it's got a faulty alarm. You can go back in, but it'll it's probably the fire, go off. There's only
0: bell, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a good precaution. I bet somebody just didn't want to have a like an awkward meeting,
1: <laughs> just pulled the thing, yeah. That's what Nietzsche
0: said. It's nice to know the fire alarm is there, all right. That's right. That's one, one's consolation. <laughs> all I was gonna say is. Mm when you're talking to somebody and it's the first time you've ever directly addressed someone, remember that you're a person and they're a person. That's a, that's a, that's a thing to remember.
1: Do you people find are, that people are not respectful of that when you are receiving? Oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it that far,
0: okay. but I mean, I, I understand it completely. Like if there's somebody out there or there's like celebrities that I follow and I'll sometimes be about to make a crack about some kind of an inside joke that telegraphs to them that I am a super fan who knows things that they did in the seventies and eighties but you know, maybe I don't bear in mind what kind of day that person's having, and maybe they don't want to be reminded of something they did forty years ago. Right. But uh, you know, just just we we are not our thoughts, we are not our ideas, we are not the things that we say on the internet. We are people. And there's a difference between talking to an idea and talking to a person.
1: That's that, that, fascinating. That's, that's a very interesting topic because I think a lot of people behave. Very. I mean, we know people behave very differently on the internet than they would, or than they do in person, right? But I think there's almost this, 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 like you mentioned, like the the persona that a person might have on Twitter or something. Like I've met many many people who on Twitter they seem to be they're smart Alex or they're really really goofy or whatever, and when you meet them in person, they're you know, they're they're completely different from that. They're they're multi layered human beings with lots of aspects to their personality, and for some reason or other, they decide that well, on Twitter, I'm I'm this guy, or I'm this person, or I I interact this way, and. People who meet me on Twitter or know me on Twitter, you know, they're going to be surprised when they meet me. And I think part of that's intentional. I think part of it's unintentional, you know, like the way many people come across on Twitter is, especially nowadays, Twitter has become a very sort of frustrating space to be in, in a lot of, for a lot of different reasons. So people may come across on Twitter as, you know, different from the way they are, not because they're saying, I don't care, here's my character, but because they don't understand how they sound on Twitter or I, I can't tell you how many times. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I'm so good. No, yeah. I, I I just, I'll, I'll add, I, I can't tell you how many times a listener has contacted me and said something and I've read it and I've said, this person sounds like they're being absolutely just a total jerk, but I bet they don't mean it that way. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't mean it and that they don't even know that it sounds that way. And I'm going to respond in a kind way or in an an interested way and see what happens. And it frequently turns out that either they said it a certain way that they didn't mean it or I interpreted it the wrong way and that they were actually meaning something nice or they were trying to be constructive or doing something good. And and that, you know, the the same way that you say, you know, think about that first time that you're meeting someone, Twitter is the first way that we meet people a lot of the time. You know, that is our Mm -hmm. first interaction with someone, that or an email, which are these two completely anti-human kind of ways to interact. I mean, human beings, we existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The only way that you would communicate with somebody is if you were standing in front of that person, looking at them, talking to them, maybe touching their hand while you spoke to them, you know, shaking hands, like it's a very, very different world that we live in. At then than it then it was not that long of a time ago, like when our grandparents were little kids, there might not have been any cars my my grandfather used to tell me he remembered the first car, not not the first car that they got, but the first car that existed in his town, you know let alone. Uh, he He used to tell me he remembered gathering around the first transistor radio. They would take the little tiny speaker thing and they would put it into a jar in the middle of the table, and they would all huddle over it so that they could hear the sound you know that that was his experience, and of course very very different in just his lifetime but the oh how could you hear someone 's voice what is that that wonderful movie um about uh in about uh, uh it, it takes place in England. I think it's the the King of England and he's he's has a speech impediment and the, king, uh, the King's speech. The King's speech. What a great movie. And that shows mm-hmm. like this is the first time over the radio that people in England were able to hear their their king's voice. Like, how amazing is that? Of course, like I can turn on and watch Obama right now. Of course, like, duh. But this was a huge, huge deal. Human beings were meant to communicate face to face. And whenever I see someone, we've talked about this. Well, I, I understand that there are lots of people who have social anxieties and things like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that it's very, it's a very natural way to communicate with other people typically is face-to-face, using using uh, using our voice and listening to them and seeing people. And now we've gotten so far away that, that uh, from that that a person wouldn't think twice about sending out 100,000 emails, soliciting somebody on via uh, other people they've never met, will never meet, will never really talk to, uh, to, to get Viagra. And yeah. the idea that now you've just disrupted a million lives by sending out, by hitting that button that sends the email People aren't thinking of it like that, you know, the same way that people who are who are in traffic, who, you know, feel like talking on their phone instead of paying attention to the road, aren't thinking about the lives that that they impact, even just by causing traffic to slow down by three seconds because they're slow to accelerate at the light and the long domino effect that that has on the full line of traffic behind them for that eventually winds up causing a 20 minute delay for someone. like people aren't thinking about their place in a community. they're not thinking about the effect that they have on other people's lives through their simple uh, actions and and of course we all do that and of course we all do it without knowing it. But it's very different when it comes to the kind of communication that you've identified. And I, I find it fascinating. And I don't know that it's getting any better. Um, yesterday, I think somebody tweeted and she was saying how um, how it's so frustrating for her to uh, to call and have to make an appointment by phone. And she was saying, why don't you have an online appointment system? I should be able to just go online onto your website and book my appointment that way. And I said, you know, like, yes, that's good. But if I had the choice, I can usually book an appointment in 20 to 30 seconds, very efficiently on the phone. And, um, And I can do that hands-free, like with Siri while I'm driving even, and be efficient in that way. I don't mind talking to people. I'm weird. I like to talk to people. So for me, if I have the choice to talk, here's a perfect example. If I'm trying, let's say I'm trying to book an appointment for me and my son to go get a haircut. I do that every, you know, once a month. It's, they have an online booking system. It's relatively straightforward to use. I can get on there. I can book the two appointments. But it is so much easier and faster for me to call the place and say, "Hey, it's Dan Benjamin." She says, "Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, you want to book your appointment with you and your boy?" Like, "Yeah, how how's uh, you know, do you have two appointments next to each other on Saturday?" And she says, yeah, we got one at uh, two and two thirty. How's that? Okay, great. See you then. Bye. Click. And I've talked to a nice person. They knew me it's great. Whereas if I went online, I'd have to navigate through their site. Can't really do it on a phone because the mobile version as usual sucks. So I can't do it on my phone. I've got to do it in front of a computer, which is not probably when I'm going to think about doing it, which is going to be you know, during the week when my wife uh, and, and my kids and I are all hanging out and, and she's like, oh, you got look how long his hair is. He's got to get a haircut. Great. I will now get up and leave this scenario. I'll go to the computer. I will log into the website with an ID that's stored in one password, love the software. And then I will have to navigate through all of this site and it, yeah, okay. Make sure the windows size the right way. And I get on the, I don't want to do that. I want to call Mary at the desk. Who's going to know me and just make the appointment that way. And the, we've lost the like human communication is kind of like it's it's changed and it's become something else and there's that kind of negative side to it that you identified too so i don't know what i'm saying by all this but i don't know i i I like talking to people (laughs) yeah hmm well um is that bad? Should I not like talking to people?
0: No, no, I'm I'm not sure what to address there. Uh, that's a lot of stuff. Um, but yes, I I mostly agree. I think we shouldn't have to feel the need to defend our personal preferences and how we do things. But I think there's a lot of a lot more complexity that we should tease out of what you're describing. Uh, first of all, when that person says I should be able to go in and schedule this online, um, all the, well, actually, people are going to come out of the woodwork and explain to that person why they, that's a bad idea, why they shouldn't feel that way, or why they shouldn't talk about it. Mm. So you get into issues of tone policing, you get into issues of, uh, you know, privilege, you get into all this stuff. And the thing is, meaning that just person probably just want to share the fact that they're really frustrated right now. Right. And that's their, as they say, lived experience. is mm. like, here's a thing that happened to me. And regardless of how you like talking to your barber or how much you like talking on the phone, in that case, that person is talking about a kind of a different thing. And that's part of the problem is when you broadcast what you're saying to a lot of people, including strangers, everybody's got their own take on what it is that you're saying, how you're saying it, and whether you're saying it. And that, to me, is, is, a, is a much deeper complexity. So like, for example, the other day, uh, a, a follower of mine on the Twitter mentioned that uh, she had come to San Francisco
1: for a total of five hours. I saw and this. I saw so this.
0: She, she'd come to San Francisco for five hours. And in the five hours that she was here, she had a lovely dinner in the inner sunset. And in those five hours, her rental uh, car was broken into and all of her belongings that she brought Luggage, with her.
1: Luggage, everything.
0: Everything stolen within five hours. So that... I mentioned that, I retweeted that and said like, how what a bummer it is that you're here for five hours and that's what happens to you. Now, what, what, what people don't necessarily need to know, but what they might want to know is a running bit between you and me for years where you do this real or fake fancy San Francisco thing. And then I always groan and I, over many years, would kind of just go, oh yeah, it's not as nice as it sounds. And then eventually I became more candid about it and said, no, really. And there's one time even a few months ago where I finally said, look, let's settle this. This town's a shit show. It's a dumpster fire. What's happening in this town is like is like a Godspeed you Black Emperor song that won't end. Right. It's horrible what's happening in this town. Story on local paper today, somebody's rent was raised uh, from, um, I think it was $1,800 to $8,000. Uh, that's the thing that happens now. Um, many of my friends in town for WWDC uh, were treated to the a fairly new thing, which is people just publicly defecating on the street. A bunch of my friends in town for the conference got to see that, which is kind of a new thing. I don't have an answer for that. But when a piece of evidence comes up that shares with my lived experience, which is I live near a police station. So I see the, the dozen or so people a day with broken windows who come and there's, there's just broken glass all over the street. So I retweeted that and I said, Hey, this is a bummer. Somebody's first experience in San Francisco, their car gets broken into within five hours. All their belongings are stolen. now, Beyond that, the context beyond. I'm going somewhere with this. After that, then I I I tweeted a screenshot of an article from the Atlantic about the crazy number of break-ins happening in San Francisco, and it basically said. And I I only I only one shot at this one particular page because it it, I was looking mainly at the statistic, which is that there are 70 break-ins a day. That like the number of people we get fewer we get more break-ins in San Francisco than like in Los Angeles, a city that is many many times larger. And I mean, really wanted to point out, this is just another indicator of like, what a kind of difficult to fix mess elements of this city are. For whatever reason, that was retweeted by many people, including Mark Andreassen and um, Bennett Evans. And boy, I got treated to quite a show from people who followed them, who on the one hand were telling me, some people were saying, well, you know what this really means is there shouldn't be cars. Other people were saying, well, you know, actually... The police say it's because of this proposition that makes uh, damage under th- $1,000 no longer a felony, and that's the problem. I got treated to this entire surfeit of responses from people who don't know me. They saw that bit of information and felt the need to, to bring things to bear there. Now, worse still, I found out the fact that I had retreated that woman whose car got broken into, mm-hmm. she got treated to the same thing. She got treated to a bunch of people like uh, San Francisco's planning what happened to her. Okay, so, why am I saying this? Because the context for why, what when how we say what we say is not always obvious. It's not always clear. In some cases, I want you, I'm literally putting this up without comment because it's just a thing and you can guess what I think about it or you can, you know, insert your own. uh, Well, okay, here's another thing. You were away a minute ago for a fire drill. Right. I I posted the video uh, for the Brian Butterfield diet. Mm -hmm. Most people jumped in and started naming funny foods from that. And some people, obviously, I started naming funny foods And then people were confused because why are you saying bon, 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 bon's on on the internet? So like in that case, they didn't know the context for that was I'm talking about this video that I just posted, which if you had watched it, you'd know what that is. The fact that you don't know that, now you're remarking, okay, that's all fine. This is all entirely normal. This is what happens all the time. Go back and watch that David Foster Wallace uh, graduation address that was turned into a video called This Is Water. And you start to realize how much we each bring all of our own hangups and assumptions to almost every interaction with other people. You're not talking to a person. You're talking to a black person. You're not talking to a person. You're talking to a poor person. Hmm. And like all the things that you think and assume about other people come trailing right along in that suitcase with you. I think that's part of the, part of the complexity. Uh, We have the ability and it's not this is not just about Twitter by any means. Look at the political landscape. People say things to each other um, in public discourse on the internet that you would never say to another person. Sure. But that's not another person. That's a Donald Trump follower. So they're they're not even, they're a garbage person, right? So you can say whatever you, if that person said anything that ticked your button for what kind of a bad person is a bad person today, you have every right and perhaps the responsibility to go after that person as a person. You're not, at that point, you're not talking to a person, you're talking to an idea, I think one thing we need to keep in mind is you're always talking to another person. Even if you're not addressing another person, remember that someone is going to take that as something that's about them and they're going to respond accordingly. That's part of the problem. I mean, these are just these are just pipes, pipes and wires to connect us to each other, but the way that we treat each other is is partly the result of could be personas, it could be distance, it could be differing beliefs. But like, I think before we even get to like what somebody said or what somebody thinks and whether they need to be corrected, we need to also remember that there are some people that we think just shouldn't even have opinions. And that's, I don't know, I think that's incredibly complicated and it's really important to be aware of that and to start thinking about how you process that information before you ever even contribute to the conversation is to think about, you know, sometimes how it could be taken. I don't always do that. I don't always want to do that. I do have a persona people I'm told consistently meet me and go, you're not like what I expected. (laughs) Because I'm I'm not a horrible, sarcastic person in real life. No. I'm a fairly warm person in real life. But that's where one part of me comes out. So then the the people aren't talking to me, they're talking to an idea. Or they're talking to the idea of me. Or they're talking to the idea of me that there are still people out there who are very well known that I still have an idea of them that's 10 years old that I haven't updated. You know, when I heard that Tim Ferriss had Malcolm Gladwell on his podcast, it was all I could do not to make at least two jokes. But I stopped because I said, you know what? I haven't really caught up with Tim Ferriss. I haven't really caught up with Malcolm Gladwell. That would just be mean-spirited. And so I didn't do it. But I don't get credit for the things I didn't do, and neither do you. What you get credit for is for what you said in public and how you treat other people. So I don't know. I don't think there's that much to, to like say here that we don't already know. It's just that we forget that. And then we get, we get emotional about things. And the way that we respond to things, the way that we take things, and the way that we then turn around and say things to people may not be in line with not only anything that matters, but it may even have anything to do with who we actually are. Sometimes somebody just pisses you off and you want to say something. Um so much more we can talk about here that I would be happy to talk about. Um and I want to hear your response. Or you can tell me about something you like.
1: Well I can do that and do that. You you do you do that and don't even need a reason. Yeah, you know? reason. Dalai Lama. Mm. Big 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 of the Lama. He's been in the news recently. And, right? and and uh he was actually asked by a Fox News reporter if he played golf. Did you see this? I did not. Talk about meeting people in real life and the way that you talk to them. This is the, I couldn't believe he did this. Uh, let me look it up. I want to put it in the show notes and I Like you think it's going to kind of be funny? You think the idea is going to be funny? The guys, uh, Brett Bayer, said, oh, have you ever seen the movie Caddyshack? And the Dalai Lama's like, well, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, you know, do you, do you ever play golf? Like he asked him these idiotic questions.
0: Oh, assuming the Dalai Lama was going to be up on like somehow the, the, the file card that we all have on the Dalai yeah. Lama, which is he was mentioned in a movie in
1: 1980. Right. Yeah. Uh, really dumb. Anyway, uh, I put that into the show notes as well. And I'd like to tell you about our first sponsor. It's Smile. Makers of PDF Pen. PDF Pen is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs. You can break the, uh, the terrible cycle of scan, print, sign, fax. Like, isn't it the worst? Or if you don't fax, it could be rescan and email. You don't have to do it that way anymore. You can do it all paperless. You can add text and graphics. You can make corrections. You can redact sensitive information. You can even do things like number pages. Whatever it is that you need to do, PDF Pen 8 is going to do it for you. PDF Pen 8 enriches your PDF creation and editing experience. You can make audio notes that you can record in place. You can access file attachments, sign documents with digital signatures, of course. But you can send and receive PDFs with a greater degree of trust than ever before. It all exports out. If you want to get it out of there into like Microsoft Word, you can do that. And you can do all of this without the need for internet access. Super useful. Super useful. So they've got a new page about what's new in version eight. I would love for you guys to check it out. It's at smilesoftware.com slash PDF slash version eight. And they're explaining all about that, all about the digital signature stuff. You can upgrade from any previous version of PDF pen to version eight. For only 30 bucks, But the best deal going right now. Upgrade from any prior version of PDF Pen to PDF Pen Pro 8. For just 50 bucks. This is a special deal. Go check it out. The URL to go to to support the show and to learn more. Is smilesoftware.com. Slash B2W. Again smilesoftware.com. Slash B2W. Go check it out. Great sponsor of ours. Uh, love Smile and love PDF Pen. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Merlin Man. Bawk,
0: bawk. I, um, I had this funny sort of, um, what, a buy period, a latent period, but for some reason, like when I, when I got a, a big boy computer job in the late 90s, I, I'd, been, I'd been making websites for four or five years, but I got pretty busy and the tools were not great. Accepting maybe the introduc- introduction of Blogger, but there were not that many ways to broadcast information about yourself. And I kind of fell away from website stuff for a while. The thing that got me back into anything approaching web community was actually uh, Live Journal, where I had a bunch of friends who were into music and it was great. There were so many things I loved about Live Journal. I only mention it here because uh, some of my friends on there, a lot of them are a lot younger than me, were very, very opinionated very, um, hostile towards certain ideas. Um, the kinds of things that you would expect, you know, from people you just meet. I I happen to like a lot of them, but they had very, very strong personalities. But I remember like to a person when I would meet those people in public, I was always, you know, like in real life, as they say, I was always really struck by what I got, got wrong or guessed wrong about how they are most importantly, far and away, number one, and you will find this when you go meet people from Metafilter, when you meet people from LiveJournal, when you meet people from Twitter or Tumblr, whatever, the first thing that might be very, very surprising to you is that they are people. They are just normal people, but many of them are very quiet, very, you might even say, shy, Mm -hmm. retiring, Very very introverted, but not at all in keeping with their persona, They may not even be aware that they had a persona. I think some of them probably did. It was a kind of early version of personal branding. But yeah, like you know, you're you're the you're the person who feels this way about these bands and that way about those bands. And like that was. And then I would meet these people and I'd be like, oh my god, you're like a toy poodle. You're like this this little person and you're so quiet and I can barely hear what you're saying. And that's really different. Sometimes you meet somebody and you go, oh, you know, that's kind of crazy. That's a girl and I thought it was a boy. That's a trans person. And I didn't know that. Right. That's somebody who uses a wheelchair. And I didn't know that. This is not just McDonald's commercials. This is real stuff. Right. Like where you meet people and you go, you are so different than I expected. A lot of times I meet people and they're a lot older than I expected, you know, including me. But, um, you know, if we had more of those kinds of things, we might in the fullness of time learn to modulate the way that we talk to each other. The, part of this problem is, I think this is especially true when there's a disparity between uh, how well-known one person is versus the other person. Like, let's be honest. Uh, it could just even be somebody who's really active in the development community that you're in. But especially if it's somebody, you know, from something like writing television, even a podcast, there's a funny thing that happens. And I, I know this happens. Uh There there, there are funny things that I take as a compliment in life. One thing I take as a compliment is when people go and find downloads of a show that's not released yet and downloaded, that makes me very happy. When people say that they've shared it with their friends, that makes me very happy. One thing that makes me very happy is when people talk about how they yell back at the podcast when they're listening to it. And I I can only speak to podcasts because I'm not a TV guy. I'm not really so much a writer guy anymore. But there are people that we follow very closely. And sometimes like I'll, I'll be listening to ATP and it's all I can do not to yell at them Or I'll be listening to the talk show. I'll be listening to this or whatever. So keep in mind that, I'm. let's make it about podcasts for just a second. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I ain't fronting. Like I, I have many, many gigs of podcasts all the time that I am listening to a lot. And I feel like I know all of those people very well. I'm not just talking about like Mike Hurley. I'm talking about like PJ Vogt. Like I'm talking about, um, you know, Brooke Gladstone. I'm talking about everybody on Slate Culture Gab Fest. Slate Culture Gab Fest, like one out of 10 shows, I want to throw it out the window and I just want to scream at how wrong they are about some snooty point they're making. But I keep listening and I feel like they know them. What does this mean? This means I have a ridiculous amount of familiarity with who they are or who their persona is. I know what their ideas are. I know what their preferences are. I know what they studied in college to the point of creepiness. I know about some people, things I would never admit knowing like where the guy from slate culture Gap Fest lives. Cause he keeps talking about the food you know, like near where his house is super creepy stuff that he has shared. He has no idea who I am. I have had dozens of conversations with that person in my head. hmm Without even realizing, without even realizing it. Now, I have I'm fortunate in that I can go yell at John Syracusa on Slack while he's recording ATP, which drives him crazy. But people do it with me, like while we're recording. People will be like will be like yelling, like texting during the show about something, not just that we got wrong, but where we're they think that we're incorrect or they agree or whatever. Right. You may have had hundreds, dozens or hundreds of conversations with somebody and they don't know who you are. That's complicated. And so you feel a sense of familiarity with somebody. Whether it's somebody you like or otherwise, um, you have an intimacy with them that they don't have with you or can't have with you, and that feels weird, and there's that that's a disparity. so like if you are surpassingly familiar with somebody and they don't know who you are, you mean that to come off well and go, "I am such a fan of you that like I know where you get your coffee." Well, guess what? That comes off super duper creepy. <laughs> <laughs> or you make some remark about, oh, no, you said you didn't like this that one time. That's the kind of disparity that you have to deal with. They don't know you. You know them as a, as a voice and an idea. And so I think it's not hard to understand why sometimes, even if it's somebody we know kind of well, we end up yelling at the idea and not realizing we're yelling at the person. Wow. Is I think that's one way to look at it. Yeah, it's a very good way to look at it. I was reading... I never gave you a chance to respond. No, what more could I add to that? Oh, dear. Oh, you. Uh, I was reading a book this weekend, and I came across this wonderful bit. Oh, yeah. So this is S.I. Hayakawa in his book, Language in Thought and Action. I don't know. Sometimes you need to hear an idea that's really obvious. You need somebody smart to explain it to you. He's talking here about, you know, just the evolution of language and how language becomes writing. He says, while animals use only a few limited cries, however, human beings use extremely complicated systems of sputtering, hissing, gurgling, Mm -hmm. clucking, and cooing noises called language, Mm -hmm. with which they express and report what goes on in their nervous systems. This reads like Kurt Vonnegut. It's so good. Language is, in addition to being more complicated, immeasurably more flexible than the animal cries from which it was developed. So flexible indeed, that it can be used not only to report the tremendous variety of things that go on in the human nervous system, but to report those reports. That is... When an animal yelps, it may cause a second animal to yelp in imitation or an alarm, but the second yelp is not about the first yelp. But when someone says, I see a river, a second person can say, he says he sees a river, which is a statement about a statement. About this statement, about a statement, further statements can be made, and about those still more. Language, in short, can be about language. This is a fundamental way in which human noise-making systems differ from the cries of animals. I think that's a really, I don't know, that, I really like that passage. You know, there are things that separate us. But one of the things is that we can, we can take something, like if somebody just got on Twitter and says, I made coffee, and that's all that they said. If they said that every day, we'd eventually draw a conclusion about them. But that's kind of weird. They keep talking about making coffee when all they're saying is like an incredibly, incredibly clear thing. And yet we will derive some feeling about that based on why they felt the need to say that they are making coffee you will get an impression about somebody by just reporting something that they have done. If somebody in my Twitter stream keeps talking about their great run, the classic, like I'm oh, like, mute that one. Oh, it's all right. Don't need to know about your foursquares. I'm good here. All they're doing is reporting like facts in the world. And yet you still derive a feeling about that person when it's something as completely neutral as I made coffee. People can have a very strong feeling about that.
1: And my wife was talking to me over the weekend about some of her friends, I guess she's, she's very tuned into the oversharing aspect of things like Facebook. And, you know, she's like, I don't, she said very much the same thing that you She's like, I don't really care if you went on a run and you felt great about it. Like, I don't care about that, but I, I would like to see the picture of you and your family around the Christmas tree. Like, how do I, how do I get to see just one and not the other one. You know, I don't want to see a picture of your shopping cart at Whole Foods full of bananas. Like, that's not that interesting to me. But I do want to see, you know, your child graduating from high school. How how can I do that? And why her kind of question to me as the, you know, the all-knowing sage of the internet is, why do people feel compelled to share so much? And, and what can we do about it? And I said, well, basically, you can essentially like not see their posts anymore. There's a setting for that. Just like, well, I want to see their posts, you know? And that's that's kind of the flip side of all of this is that so many people I think are sharing things that will create that kind of persona, that they're kind of defining the person that they want to be as opposed to the person that they are. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, uh, but I think it makes it difficult because one of the things that i think we do as human beings is we kind of want to put people into into boxes so that we can better understand them you know for for example merlin is the productivity guy dan is the podcast apple guy whatever and none of these are accurate but it helps people to kind of put you into that that sort of box that that then they can understand you they can frame you within the scope of their network what you know whatever it is that they need to do they're putting you into that particular box so that they feel like they can understand you and give you a place in their life especially in the case of someone that you haven't met in person someone that you haven't really spent any time with so that when you you see somebody who has oh right you know, she's the person who has the video game updates on CNET. Like, that's that's who that person is. And never mind the fact that they're much more than that and that that is something completely uh, isolated in their life that they're doing for six months out of their whole 35-year life. That's what they are, too. Oh, you're, you're the person that does this video on this place. So this is a natural thing because I don't think we're – and we've talked about it before. Gosh, I can't remember which episode. But – we're not really cut out to know hundreds of people. We're cut out to know a small group of people and, and know that small group fairly well. And we can't really manage that. You know, I mean, how many people do you follow on Twitter? How many, how many different faces or opinions or thoughts are you going to run into in the course of one day looking at Twitter, looking at Facebook, browsing the internet, checking your email? We, we're interacting even though we might not ever leave our, our office we're interacting with hundreds of people maybe thousands of people and how can we possibly share every aspect of who we are and how could they do that it's it's just not possible and i don't think our minds are shaped in the right way to kind of take that and to know that many people you know if you if you were to go home and ask your daughter how many how many people do you know how many friends do you have Mm-hmm. She could probably name, oh, you know, this person, this person, this person, and, and, and of course, I love grandma. You know, like, they're going to be able to tell you specific people and specific people's names. And as they get exposure to the internet, as they get exposure to the world at large in this this construct of communication that has never, we as a human race, have, a species, have never before faced. We have never faced the ability, you know, that this onslaught of people so many people interacting with that even if you went back and told me 15 years ago oh you know what one day you're going to interact with hundreds of people a day i'd say god that's going to be exhausting how will i how will i do that yeah and the fact is it is exhausting right and i'm not saying that it's bad like i hope i'm not portraying it as a negative thing it's not necessarily a negative thing but the tools that we have to manage those relationships to help us you know deal with all of this this uh, bit of information that's coming in moment by moment we're we're not cut out for it and uh, and and the tools that we have are not really there yet to help us manage all of this so i don't you know i'm not there have been times where i've been really kind of put off by social networks and just wanting to get away from it. But the one thing that kind of helped me realize it is that any kind of interaction that I have with somebody online is a diminutive shadow of any kind of true and real interaction. And I can't take anything that happens in 140 characters on Twitter too seriously. You know, I'm not talking about like, you know, GamerGator death threats or things like that. I'm talking about just day-to-day interaction. For example, perfect example, I tweeted a couple, as I was driving in in the morning one morning, there was a a woman driving in the lane next to me with her hazard lights on. And I said, you know, I, I think that's illegal. I don't think you're allowed to drive with your hazard lights on. And I went and looked it up. And it turns out that in... I think 31 of our 50 states, it is illegal to drive with your hazard lights on, that if your hazard lights are on, it means you are a road hazard and that you are a stationary stopped road hazard, the same as if there was a giant boulder in the road. What you're doing is you're saying, my vehicle is a road hazard. I'm stopped here. Avoid me. Uh, But in the remaining states, you are allowed to drive with your hazard lights on. And it turns out Texas is one of the states where you can drive with your hazard lights on. So I was, uh, I, I was surprised about that. So I tweeted a link to it and I, uh, to the article that I found that was listing uh, the different states. Now, I hadn't counted them all out, but I sort of skimmed it. And once I saw that there was about 26 of them, I stopped counting and I said, all right, it, it's the majority of states. So I tweeted, I said, the majority of US states. Uh, you know, just, uh, it, it, this is illegal FY, you know, like public service announcement. Cause I didn't know. And a bunch of people replied saying, oh, thanks. That's neat. Or I didn't know that. Or what's wrong with my state? How come I can, you know? Uh, and one guy replied and said, uh, something like, dude, you know, like it don't, I'm paraphrasing. It's like, dude, you're so stupid. It's at least half, uh, are in you, you said most it's illegal. It's not. And I said, okay, I'll go and count them. And I made a list and it was 31 that it's illegal. And I replied and I said, 31 of the 50 states, it's illegal. And he replied to me and said, ah, I'm not perfect. Happy face. And, you know, like it's one of those things that to him, he's just messing around. He's just having fun with it. It's just Twitter, like. He doesn't care about it and he's done with Twitter probably for the rest of the day and he's going to go, you know, parasailing for the rest of the day. And maybe he's going to, you know, do something, re- eat at a really awesome restaurant with a bunch of awesome people. And then he's not going to think about that again. Right. But like I went back and counted the stupid list. And it shows a different way that we interact with people in the different place. You, we, you don't know where that person is in their state of mind and their physical location, what kind of day they're having, if they're hungry, you know what I'm saying? Like, because you're not there in person. And even if you were in person with them, you might not be able to tell things because we are secretive people by nature, but just, you know, it's impossible to know what's going on for an individual person. You know, Mm -hmm. um, there, there was, uh, there was a story by um, uh, Bhante G, uh, who's a, kind of well known in um, Vipassana mindfulness circles as a as a teacher, uh, a Buddhist monk, and he is uh, he told this story. Um, he told it first person story, but I'm, I'm sure I've, I've heard it other places too, that he used to go on these long walks and every day he would walk and there was a, a man who'd be driving a truck, driving a truck down the road. And as he would look at the man, he would see the man and he would wave to the man uh, doing his walking, metapractice of course, right? And the man would just have this kind of just sort of staring at him as he would drive slowly by in the truck and would have no reaction, wouldn't move, wouldn't do anything. And then he would see him again the next day. He would wave. The guy would just stare. And this went on and on for uh, for a while. And eventually, the man started to slowly started to respond. And apparently, first he would kind of wave a finger as he was holding the steering wheel. And later, it was a few fingers. And then eventually, he would raise his whole hand, waving it, waving at him. And eventually, um, he actually saw him, and he. This is after a long period of time. He pulled over and uh, and went to talk to him, and they talked to each other. And he said, oh, you know, and it makes me very happy. You're waving to me, and you weren't. And he says, well, actually, uh, the man said that he had just had a, a stroke and couldn't, didn't have the ability to wave, didn't have the ability to do very much more than just keep his hands on the wheel, and that as his ability was to move correctly was coming back, he would wave more and more to him. Until eventually now he's able to walk and move around and weigh fully. is it a true story? it doesn't matter. It demonstrates a, a neat concept, and the concept is we don't know what's going on with everybody else out there, right? Mm-hmm. like who knows who knows what is going on in that person and 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 how it comes across is probably most of the time, especially on these social networks, not how not how it's really meant, and yet we me certainly we take this stuff personally, especially if we are trying, if we're not in the category of people who are just goofing around, but if we actually mean the things that we say, or we're trying to communicate. And what's helped me tremendously is just giving up on all that. I don't really try to communicate on Twitter anymore. I don't try to have any kind of meaningful conversation there at all. And I treat it in a completely different way. Uh, I take it very light. And, uh, and I just, I sort of took a step back in with my seriousness of intent on it and Twitter has become a much better place since I've done that
0: yeah that makes sense Um, and it's all true that's all very true Um, the uh, thing about uh, spam it's episode 430 of Planet Money black market pharmacies and the spam empire behind them Mm. put that in notes um, I said something on Twitter a long time ago, something along the lines of, if you want to learn what somebody uh, fears losing, watch what they photograph. Oh, Which is a true thing. Now, of course, ha ha, I get it. Pictures of your lunch, that's very funny. Um, but, you know, and certainly photography has changed. I also put another article in notes about the changing way we deal with photos as a way to remember things and events and track where we are and things like that. So that, all that has changed. I think one thing that hasn't changed, though, so on the one hand, you could, you could say like, you know, when you're taking pictures of your kids, because those moments are going by really fast and there's the FOMO or otherwise, you're feeling like, Oh, this is going to go away. I think the other thing to think about though, is like, whether you intend to or not, most of us do have a persona that we groom. And so when you thinking about what your wife said about like what, what you choose to put on Facebook, I sometimes feel like, um, in my kinder moments when I see what somebody's saying, you almost want to add a question mark to what a lot of people say. Like, is it like, this is, this is the thing that I want, right? This is who I want to be. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, here's the one picture from Christmas that I can tolerate and not cry about. That's the one I'm going to share. Or here's 60 pictures that like, uh, just to show you how, like how many pictures I take. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm not, but I think consciously or unconsciously, there's some filter in most of us that says, uh, You know, when, when you're deciding to do anything, you know, what is the thing you want to share? What is the thing you want to say or not say about who you are? And to your point about not knowing where people are, like when we do it, it's totally normal. Like when we take a picture of our lunch and put it up or a sign with a misspelling is the funniest thing in the world. When other people do it, it's really cloying and cliche Uh because the lived experience of what we're doing is extremely important because it's us. I think that's, that's entirely normal. So I think, you know, part of what you're saying applies there where it you don't know how other people feel. You don't know if they're strokey. You don't know what's going on. Um, you don't know why they might be sensitive about this one thing. And two things I just want to say to be a karma suck here. I'm not saying this is just about Twitter and I'm not saying this is just about becoming a nice person. I'm actually not saying that I'm saying that to become a more rational person, uh, regardless of where you're doing it, it helps to realize how much you're trying to figure out a way to make everything about you which is, I, th- I think is the thing that most of us do, is whenever something happens, we're looking for our angle in it. We're looking for our anecdote. We're looking for our thing that we want to make sure everybody knows that we think about that. Well, I've already thought about that and here's what I think about that. That's that's something that I, I try to think about, not just because I want to be a nicer person, but because I want to be a more rational person. So like, for example, a few weeks ago, when we were talking about the Apple announcements at WWDC, I made that remark about trying to take oneself out of the equation. And it's so interesting to imagine a situation without you and your opinion in it and it looks really different. If like if you look at something that's that, that's in the news or you look at something on Twitter, it's so natural, you know, if you like in this age of social media to figure out what's my spin on this? Like how should I how do I feel about this? Without even realizing it, mm-hmm. you know? It could be how the last pitch went during a baseball game. Like you got a feeling about that, whether or not you share it. You're mentally drafting something in your head about how you feel about it. Um, and not, not necessarily to put anywhere, but you're like doing this self-talk about those kinds of things. But it, it's an interesting exercise sometimes um, to take yourself out of the situation, whether that's a long line at the post office, um, whether that is your mail being mixed in with a Safeway flyer, right? or whether that's somebody yelling at you on Twitter. What's funny is, if you act like your ego and interests and intentions don't matter, situations can look really different. I I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff I've tried to get a little bit smarter and more sens- sensitive about in, in the last few years. Not sensitive in like a, a talk about your feelings way, but in a like, you know what? Stop trying to figure out like how this figures in my world and start looking at what somebody else is actually saying. What somebody else is is, is actually saying or trying to say. Like listen to that instead of like while they're talking, try to configure what my response to that is. Mm. And which is an amazing exercise. I put, a, I put a, I'll probably get heat about this, but I put some links in show notes to something called... Um, the Geek Feminism Wiki, which has a lot of really interesting stuff that I think a lot of guys could benefit from reading. Whether or not you agree with the idea called feminism, there's a lot that most men could learn about communication and in how we listen to people, um, how we evaluate the credibility of people, and then the kinds of things that sound very sensible in our head, what it actually sounds like to somebody else when you say it out loud. Those are the kinds of things where doing that on a regular basis, stopping a minute before you say something to think about why you need to say that and what it could actually mean, if it's about stuff that matters. That's not a bad idea to do. Um, and to, to, to further to, the, to your point, I think, you know, when we're shucking and jiving somewhere, whether it's Twitter or wherever, there are kinds of things we might say that we think of as being very innocuous um, that might actually be I'm trying to avoid the political part of this because that's not actually what I'm talking about. What I'm To your point about like lots of people have lots of different feelings and lots of different days. You know, when we do it, it's shucking and jiving. When everybody else does it, it's because they're awful people or stupid people. And I don't know. I just feel like even if you don't set out to just be a nicer person or a kinder person, which certainly never hurts, uh, just to be a more rational person, it helps to realize, like, how much am I making this about my deal right now? And does it really need to be about my deal, you know? (laughs) <laughs> somebody, somebody dies and I have to go RIP all over them because I just learned about them in Wikipedia Them, yeah, yeah. like you know uh, okay okay but like does that really need to be about you like and if it is going to be about you like why don't you really work it like why don't you really tell me an anecdote about David Bowie that's more than, than six hours old like tell me something about your life and that kind of stuff is very interesting and very empathetic because we all have things that we're a little tender about and sometimes sharing that with people can be a great way to communicate so I don't know it's not just about Twitter it's not just about being nice it's not just about being famous or pseudo famous or anything like that it's just it, it does help to be aware that we are more than our ideas we are more than our thoughts and we're more than the things we say and if if we get that same credit maybe we should give other people that credit too yeah I'll talk about uh, repeating projects and rituals next time because I think we're <laughs> we've pretty much covered this week
1: yeah I think so
0: yelling at an idea yeah hmm. i like that also yeah i do want to talk about uh taking little breaks not because not you're mad not because whatever but like this phone thing has been very interesting It was it's a lot harder than i realized a lot more difficult than i realized to like quell that temporarily quell my anxiety about what i don't know yet by looking at the phone because yeah. it actually it doesn't actually help
1: no. it doesn't actually help it doesn't yeah almost never helps unless you're lost on the highway.
0: It's not that different from the whole inbox problem though, because like the, as we've talked about at, uh, at length in the past, I mean, one problem with the whole inbox thing is like, you don't know what's in there and you need that temporary hit of like the whack-a-mole, the anxiety whack-a-mole that lets you know, well, at least that thing's not on fire. Let's yeah. see what else is out there. Yeah. Um, anything else on that? That's it. Hmm. I think we squeezed that muffin pretty hard. Ooh. Voice and Crispy Ooh. out. Okay, well, I guess I should button it up. All right, then. All righty. Okay, then. I love you. Love you, too, brother man.